Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks, where kindred souls gather to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot, known locally as a February room, is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA, the North American distributor for composite developments, fly rods, and fishing accessories. Tech, precision, ingenuity, legacy. Go to cdfishing.us and follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. Here's your host, Lauren Carnop, and this is The February Room. Welcome to The February Room. Today, our guest is John Hazlett. He's a guide, an instructor over in Medford, Oregon. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you. Uh, Great to be here. So, as I have been told, you are the premier spaycaster, as Justin likes to say. Um, there's not too many people who have the quite precision that you have, so I imagine you must have some pretty incredible fishing stories um, on the river. Do you have one in particular that you remember? Oh, it was probably 10 years ago. Um, I was fishing with a guy, a uh, single angler, and I'd parked the boat and uh, it was my raft and I parked it and we, you know, fished down the run and we're down the runaways and, and I look up river and my raft is mid river, like floating unmanned mid river. So, you know, I, I run up, I run up there and realize that there's no way I can get to the boat. And, um, and so I run back to the angler and I grab the spay rod and, I thought, well, I can just, 
you know, cast into the boat and reel it in. But so <laughs> I start casting and it's, it's a ways out there. I really had to huck it out there. And I finally hooked one of the oar locks and then I start stripping the line in. And then, of course, the line broke. And we watched my boat go down river through a rapid. And I, I just was like, oh, my gosh, we are so screwed right now. So anyway, we we uh, we run up the bank to this house and uh, I knock on the door and this lady comes to the door and uh, I tell her what happened and she says, um, you know, hey, I'm, I'm on my way to work. I can't help you, but I'll get my dad. I said, okay, great. And so, you know, I felt like we stood there for 10 minutes, but this, this super, this guy was, this guy was really old. So this old guy comes kind of shuffling his feet to the door and I told him what happened and he's, he's, he's kind of looks around. He's like, I, uh, okay. Um, I need to find my slippers. And I'm like, Oh, my dude. And I look at each other and we're just like, we are just so screwed right now. Cause it, you know, there's a bridge down river that we had to intercept the boat at. If it got under this bridge past that, we would have just been totally hosed. So he eventually comes back and he had to find his keys and then he meanwhile we're in the back of his truck like waiting and and he comes out and he he starts his truck warms it up and goes back in the house and we're just like oh geez we are we're <laughs> this is not good and so finally he gets gets in the truck and we drive out this long driveway to the main road and we get to the end of the driveway and he throws it in park and he gets out and checks his mail. And you can imagine. <laughs> so we're in full panic mode. And so we get finally get on the main road and we're driving down the road at like, you know, 27 and a 45. And and we get to about to this, I can see the bridge and my boat is like a hundred yards above the bridge. And, and so, you know, we had to kind of do this loop-de-loop -loop thing to get around to the, to the river. And, and it looked like it was gonna head towards river right. And so that's where he took me. And then, uh, you know, bridges are always built where there's like a narrow part in the river and a lot of rock, right? You know, like in a gorge. So I had to, so I'm wearing boot foot waders of all things that day. And I start scaling down these rocks. Like, I don't, they, I, I wouldn't attempt it today. Like, but you know, with the adrenaline and everything like, and so I, I'm, a, I almost get down to the river and my boat, which was heading river right now is on river left. And so I start scaling back up these rocks and I notice a couple dudes under the bridge on river left and, and they see what's going on. And, and they were drinking beer or something. And, and, and so I see them and I'm like, guys, if you can get that boat, I got beer in the cooler. And these guys hop up and they grab like a 30 foot long tree that had floated down river. I don't know how they picked this thing up. And they were able to <laughs> hook the brace, the frame of the boat and, and bring it over to them on river left. And we all caught our breath and, and, uh, had a couple beers under the shade of the bridge and and went about our day, but um, that was the most panic I've ever felt on the river. And 
we didn't lose the oars were in the water. All the spay rods and stuff weren't tied down. I mean, it, we didn't lose a thing. I mean, it just, <laughs> we, we got lucky. It's amazing what help when you can get some help when you say there's beer in the boat, they're like Superman power. You know, it's kind of like mom power. If you see your kid about to, you know, be in danger, you kind of like have the super speed. So it must be like for young people, like there's beer in the boat and it's about to sink. You better go out there and save it. They're like, <gasps> switch on to like Superman power, you know? <laughs> they totally did. They totally saved my ass. And you know, funny, the guy never rebooked after that day. I don't know why. But uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hopefully, he gave you a, a bit of a tip. <laughs> we only missed a couple runs. I mean, uh, so, and uh, I'm sure he's told that story a few times. Oh, I'm sure. So, um, tell me a little bit how did you get into fly fishing? You know, uh, I, I grew up fishing with my neighbors. My neighbors were the Griswolds, if you can believe that. Um, Fishing with the Griswolds. Yeah, yeah. Um, and But, you know, they didn't fly fish, but um, they were outdoors people. And But this old timer from my church introduced me to fly fishing when I was, I don't know, 11 or 12 and showed me how to tie knots and got, you know, casting instruction. And um, I started tying flies and just kind of got my feet wet. You know, I did it for a while. I kind of would, my, my dad... He's not a fisherman, so you know I did it with him a little bit, and and then um, I kind of got away from it till college. And and my my best buddy from college, Chris Lida, he and I started fly fishing in college. That's really when I got back into it. When did it come to you where you're like, this is going to be my my job? Was it that you just fell into it, or did you um, kind of go into college thinking? I'm so in love with this. I want to do what I love. You know, it was kind of towards the end of college when um, I got my first guy job and it was Chris that he, he had been working in Alaska at a lodge and he was a head guide and he just, you know, got me my first guide job. And I, you know, I was really green and, and I uh, didn't really have a clue what I was doing. And so it's, at that point it was just like, Oh, this seems like a cool summer job, you know? And then, the whole other podcast is I could tell you a story how I got fired from that job. You do share. <laughs> I like juicy stories. Tell me. Seriously, tell me. How, why did you get fired? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's not for all audiences. Well, I, you know, I <laughs> don't bring your college age daughter to a fishing lodge. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> okay, um, perfect. So, <laughs> so. I thought that was it, you know, that, you know, I, I, I got sent home. I had to tell my parents and I thought that was it for me. And, uh, and then my same buddy, Chris Lida ended up getting a job out in Colorado and, and got me a job out there and it just kind of went from there. And so that's probably where I really, um, got the most experienced and, um, you know, all the guides at this lodge I was at were just total professionals and, and so I had some good, you know, mentorship there. And, and then that's when I started exploring Southern Oregon. Um, so that's, that's kind of when things started to seem like, yeah, I could, I could make a go at this uh, year round even. So what about uh, spay casting? Why, why is that like your niche? What did you, what's so special about spay casting for you? 
Well, I have to give Ken Morris uh, credit. He was the one that said, if you want to be a steelhead guide, um, this bait casting thing uh, is going to be popular and you need to figure it out. So I asked him, you know, what do I need to do? And he said, well, buy these videos and buy this, these rods and reels and lines and, and go do it. And um, I, had, I had moved to Gold Beach uh, at the mouth of the Rogue River, uh, what I thought was just going to be for the winter. And um, so that's where I really just went down and just damn near every day went and just cast and and it was it was ugly for a while. I didn't really have any um, anyone to teach me other than watching Simon Gosworth's videos and and um, his you know reading his book and whatever. And there wasn't a lot of resources other than that. And I just kind of had to figure it out. And and uh, so that's when I just really and and it didn't hurt that it was that it was like you know epic all time winter steelhead run that year it was probably the biggest recorded steelhead run in the last i don't know 30 years um so i got a little positive reinforcement from some fish which helped do you have a really memorable uh steelhead story I, yeah i do i mean as far as um you know from early times i remember being in the grocery store in gold beach and this guy comes up to me and he says, you know, I've been watching you cast across from my house for several months. I said, yeah? He says, yeah. He says, well, it's about time you caught a fish. <laughs> and uh, so it took a while. It took a while to figure out, figure that out. But, but um, oh, I have all kinds of steelhead stories I could tell. My best fish guiding uh, last year, last season, last September is one of the cooler moments I've had as a guide. And, um, this guy from Japan, he became Facebook friends with a mutual friend of mine. And so he wanted to come out to, he wanted to fly to the States and cause he, this guy's, he's like a commercial tire and he, you know, he'd been spay casting over Japan and I don't know where else. And so he wanted to come out and fish with you know, uh, different guides around the West, but he ended up in Southern Oregon, uh, the whole time. So I guided him for three days and he tied all these beautiful traditional type flies and he, he just prepared for this trip, which is, you know, makes it more meaningful. And, and so the first day we got skunked and I think the second day we hooked and lost a fish. And so now we're down to the third day and I'm feeling the pressure and, um, he hooked a fish and lost it. And then we, we landed a fish. We, we landed a fish. That was a pretty nice steelhead. And then we get down to this run. It's this long run. And, um, he, I said, you know, he didn't, his English wasn't very good, but I, you know, I'm pointing and speaking my best Japanese, which I know none of. And so anyway, I said fish all the way to the bottom and he got about halfway through the run. And, uh, he walks back to the boat and I, and I, and I said, everything okay. And he points down river and he says too slow. And cause the water slows down a bit towards the bottom, but the bottom is where the, you get them. Usually I said, I said, okay. I said, well, no, no. I said, 
I want you to march right back down there. And I pointed down river and I, I held my hands out and I said, big fish down there. And he <laughs> says, okay, okay. So, and when, when I tied his fly on, he, he'd pulled out this really fine wire fly, fine wire hook. And, and it admittedly didn't pinch the barb because I knew if he hooked a good fish, that hook would not survive. It would open up. And so I wanted a little insurance, so, <laughs> which is within the regulations of the Rogue River. Anyway, so I remember, so he, he marches back down there and I'm watching him fish and I go down and kind of hang out with him. And, and, uh, he makes his cast and it's just his best cast of the, of the, you know, of that run. And I'm thinking, you know, that one, that one has a chance. And sure enough, his line came tight and he hooks this giant fish. And so we fought it for a while and we end up landing it by some miracle. And um, I, I took this slow-mo video of, of the release and his reaction. And it's just absolutely the, like the coolest facial expression reaction it was the biggest rogue river fish that summer steelhead that 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 i'd ever had a chance to net so it was just one of those culminations of you know a guy travels across the world you know was prepared tide flies and and it was it it was memorable for me as well as him well, I think just kind of for anyone who ever goes out fishing and you kind of bring your own flies, it's kind of like from home to home run kind of feel that you finally get to uh, reap the benefits of all your hard work and planning and trips. And now that's super cool. What what makes spay casting so special for you? You know, it's, it's um, you know, the cool thing about it is that it's all – it's all on you as the angler, you know, we're waiting and you have to make the cast, you have to fish the fly, you know, it's, it's all, all on you. You know, the old school, you know, swinging flies is not, obviously it's the, it's the, it's the traditional way to steelhead fish. And, and before spay rods came to the, to the Northwest, um, guys use single handed rods and that, and, but it, to me, yeah, it's about, you know, being in the river, waiting, you have to make the cast, you have to fish the fly. It's all, all up to you. But, but the part about it that I really like is that it's, it's so challenging and, 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 uh, it's the casting is so much fun and there's no, you know, you take the best casters in the world. They're not perfect casters. They're always trying to improve. They're always learning new things. And so as a guide or instructor i have the pleasure of working with people and and uh and you know helping them learn a cast tweak cast uh just get better and and to me i get a lot out of it it's uh selfishly i get a lot out of it i mean i'm just as happy as when someone catches a fish as i as when i do like most guys we we love to catch fish um and when you know when you do hook a fish you get a grab and, and it's all about the grab you know that tight line connection to the fish that happens you know when you least expect it um and then the flies are cool and the rivers you go to are cool and so it's just the total package for me what kind of flies do you like to uh fish fish with 
Well, it kind of depends on the time of year and the, the water type and, you know, water conditions. The ones that are the most fun to cast are the small traditional ones. And if we could fish those year round, we would because of the casting is way more fun. But, um, it, you know, as far as localized, like the Rogue River, swinging traditional flies, wh whatever they are is is awesome. I mean, I guess some of my favorites would be... Um, swinging a muddler wet or yeah we we get a uh, an october caddis hatch here on the rogue and our fish key in on that bug so we have a few flies that look like that that are are quite effective you know like a lady caroline or um fly called a perpetrator that matt callies uh from california came up with it's a great one and then you know we i i have my favorites that i'll tie yeah that's a cool thing about it i mean steelhead you know within reason the fly doesn't matter uh so it's fun to catch them on all kinds of stuff that's that's what's great about it is that because it's much more important the way that the presentation than the actual fly or is it because the steelhead are kind of like i'm gonna eat anything it's more about the presentation and finding the right fish in the right mood um you know steelhead are migratory and moody and uh so yeah you, you, they got to be there and they got to be in the mood and then you got to get your fly in the right spot so yeah i mean you think about all the other um techniques that are used for steelhead whether you're nymphing for them or um uh, gear fishing i mean they'll eat all kinds of stuff um so what makes the fly i had on that day special i'm really not sure <laughs> <laughs> right right well and plus i mean you live in such a beautiful area in medford um i heard from the grapevine that there might have been an opportunity where you guys where somebody had s hooked a seal <laughs> <laughs> well that's going back a few years uh yeah there there was a time when i used to uh fish for fall chinook on the lower rogue when we had some really incredible runs of fish and this is going back 15 to 18 years they would dredge these channels in the lower rogue so the tour boats could get up these shallow gravel bars and um of course the fish used the same channels because it was the deepest you know channel going through and uh, one of our friends mr chris lida he uh was swinging some flies through this channel and he did hook a seal and um the seal one yeah he, he 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 lost his whole fly line so we do not target seals but this seal was in the wrong place at the wrong time and i think he, it ended up turning out okay for the seal <laughs> was, i thought he had a big salmon on i was across the river and so i <laughs> i got my jet boat and i ran over there to see what was going on and then i saw this seal porpoising up river about 500 yards and i thought okay this this is this is not good. But. You're like, he bargained way, way more than what he, he wished for. I hear, what is the spay clave? Well, the spay clave is, uh, this would have been the 20th year. And it's, it's an event that um, has been put on by the fly fishing shop in Welch's, Oregon, by uh, uh, Mark and Patty Bachman. And it, um, you know, it's the original spay clave event. Uh, it, it's been on the Sandy River and um, 
you know, it didn't happen this year. They, you know, they, that's a long time to, to do this event. And so I, I don't think they were going to do it this year, but we wouldn't have been able to do it anyway with, with, with that COVID. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's historically evolved into a three-day event and you have uh, all your your manufacturer reps there with all their rods, reels, lines, other product, and then presentations. And so it's a chance for, for the general public to go grab any rod line combination that exists on the planet and, and give it a test run and, and then just rub shoulders with people in the industry. And it's um, so it's an event that uh, I've gone to for the last at least 15 years and and um it's just yeah it, it it's something that, that i always look forward to and um rumor has it that it's gonna um uh, another shop is gonna pick up where uh bachman's uh left off and and keep this event going yeah the february room is really a place where you know a place of sanctuary during those dark days whether it's in for us it's february because missoula gets super dreary and dark and fishing isn't really all that great unless you're traveling somewhere um do you have a place that's kind of like a sanctuary for you that you kind of call your february room uh you know i think there's a couple runs i can think of that uh you get that 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 swing where you just think you're going to get a fish. Uh, I can think of a couple runs where, that, that are my happy place. Um, and like, like, like your husband, uh, I, I love to hunt. And, and so, you know, as much as I like to fish and it's also my job, um, I, I get that same thing out of hunting. And so, uh, being in the woods at the, at the right time, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great decompressor for me. Just like life can sometimes be so crazy, but when you're on the river or you're out in the woods, it's nice not having those earbuds in and having the phone, you know, tucked away and just being aware as opposed to having your thoughts like, oh, I need to send an email or do this and that. It's kind of nice just to put the world away and just be in it. Yeah, absolutely. And and, it, and sometimes it can take a couple days to get to that point, you know, where you, you know, if you... I do a multi-day fishing trip or hunting trip it, it, it can take a few days to, to just tune out all the noise that 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 you had going into it and and that's a great place to be yeah absolutely well John if people want to learn more about what you do sign up for to go spay casting um, what's the best way what's the best method to uh, get hooked up with you well, they can go to my website, which is spaylesson.com, or find me on Instagram at uh, John Bon Hazlett, or look me up on Facebook. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today, John, and I wish you much luck on the river, and hopefully we can get together and you can bring me. Uh, I have never gone spay casting before, so you can be the one to teach me, and Justin would be much appreciated. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to it, Lauren, and, and uh, it's it's awesome chatting with you, and I really appreciate it. For the inside scoop on the fly patterns we've discussed with our guest, check our blog for Flies of the February Room. If you would like to enter the February Room, shoot us an email at info at cdfishing.us. 
Also, remember to subscribe, share, and if we've earned it, give us those five stars. Thanks for dropping by, and remember to go fishing. <laughs>